Okay, we're going to go ahead and read our scripture. Um, we've been doing a series which is called uh, Redeemer Greatest Hits. Uh, I uh, just finished up 10 years of service as a pastor at Redeemer, so I've preached over 450 sermons. Uh, so I figured, why don't I try to take uh, five of the best ones and preach them out of those 450? But it doesn't matter which ones I think are best, it matters what you think is best. And so I've gotten some requests from people that, uh, for sermons that really impacted them. So this is a sermon uh, someone in our congregation emailed to me and said, this sermon really impacted me. It was a sermon on Zacchaeus that I preached when I was preaching through the book of Luke. So this was probably maybe three years ago, but I'm going to preach it to you again. So this is the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when the crowd saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's Word. This passage challenges the perception that we have of Jesus. I think we tend to think of Jesus as a bit of a spiritual Robin Hood. He steals from the rich, from the corrupt, he takes from the rich and the corrupt, and he gives to the poor. Jesus is known as a helper of the outcast, the lame the blind and the prisoner, etc., etc. But in this story, Jesus is a friend not of the oppressed of society, but rather of the oppressor of society. He befriends and honors not the least of society, but the most of society. Not of the kind widow, but rather of the wicked thief. And as we hear this story, we scratch our head and wonder, is this the kind of Savior we want, who reaches out to and honors people like Zacchaeus, a thief? You see, we want a champion for the poor and the disregarded. But Jesus turns the apple cart over in this story. It's kind of like if we were to bring it into modern uh, terms, Uh, We have a presidential election that's going on. We have Donald Trump on one side and uh, Joe Biden. And uh, much like the past election, it's a polarizing election. If you were to ask people, uh, some people, maybe some in this room, wouldn't be caught dead in a room with Donald Trump. Meanwhile, for other people, Joe Biden is like the, the devil incarnate or something. But in this story... These are the very people that Jesus is saying, I want to hang out with you. 
I want to go to your house. So think of the person that you revile. Think of the Zacchaeus in your world, in your life. And that's the one that Jesus is saying. Perhaps we grumble a little bit under our breath. But this person has no place in the kingdom of God. He has no place with you, Jesus. See, this passage teaches us a very important lesson. Jesus did not come to assess our value. He came to bestow his value. I'll say it again. Jesus did not come to assess our value. He came to bestow his value. And Jesus offers his unconditional love to all who would follow him. The question is, how do we respond to his offer of love? We're going to look at three specific points. Number one, the offer that Jesus makes to Zacchaeus. What's in it? What's behind it? Number two, how Zacchaeus responds to Jesus' offer. Really, how Zacchaeus responds to Jesus' love. And finally, the declaration that Jesus makes over Zacchaeus. Because Jesus did not come to assess our value, he came to bestow it. Well, let's begin with point number one, the offer that Jesus makes to Zacchaeus. This uh, story begins Luke uh, 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. But uh, those chapter breaks really did not occur, uh, sort of show up in the Bible until the fourth century. It was meant to be written, uh, read as one full story. So you can't really understand Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus, until you understand the last story in Luke 18, which is the story of the blind man, because they're meant to be connected with each other, the healing of the blind man. See, here are some parallels that you can tell that these two stories are meant to be put right next to each other. This is the blind man who was begging on the side of the road uh, as Jesus was entering into Jericho saying, help me, help me. There's a parallel between these two men. They both wanted to see Jesus, but they both were prevented from doing so. One, because he was blind. Uh, Zacchaeus, because he was short. They both went through great lengths, two great lengths, to see Jesus. Uh, The blind man shouting out at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Zacchaeus going so far as to climb a tree, which is something you just didn't do in that culture. They were both the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, for different reasons. One was blind and so was considered cursed by God. Zacchaeus had brought on a curse on himself by the Uh, employment that he chose as a tax collector. And in both stories, the crowds sought to prevent these two men from coming to Jesus or Jesus coming to them. The big difference between the two is one is oppressed, the blind man, but Zacchaeus is the oppressor. So what is the question that the scripture is trying to answer by putting these two men together? It's simply this. We know what Jesus thinks about people like the blind man, but what does Jesus think about people like Zacchaeus? See, we need to understand a little background about Zacchaeus. We know that he was a tax collector uh, for the city of Jericho. In fact, he was the chief tax collector. Jericho was a very important city. It was uh, several trade routes intersected and went through Jericho on its way to Jerusalem. 
And so he was, uh, he was a powerful and rich man. He might have been the tax collector over several different local uh, municipalities. So he was rich, and the way he got rich is basically he sold out his people. The Romans employed a method of tax collection called tax farming. Basically, they assessed a certain value that they thought that they should be able to get for taxes out of the city of Jericho. And whatever, and they gave that number to the chief tax collector. The problem was nobody knew what the number was except for the chief tax collector. So whatever Zacchaeus felt like he could get over that number that was owed the Romans, guess what? It went to Zacchaeus. And as it says, Zacchaeus was a rich man. Wonder how that happened. So Zacchaeus was considered a traitor to his people. He was, his religious status was he was despised and considered unclean and defiled by the people. The Mishnah, the oral Torah, said it was okay to lie to a tax collector because uh, basically he was unclean and, and, uh, and defiled. And they hated Zacchaeus for exploiting them and selling them out. But we see something very interesting about Zacchaeus. And with all of his rich, uh, all of his money, and all of his power, and he was seeking, verse 3, to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Zacchaeus was curious. Zacchaeus had heard of this person, Jesus, and something within him made him move in a direction to want to see uh, Jesus. But he could not because he was short of stature. He was short. Now, we need to understand that the culture in that area, it's an honor-shame culture. So if you have a high position of honor, uh, it doesn't matter how tall or short you are. If you want to see, the crowds will part and make a space for you because you are considered important and rich and powerful in the community. Well, nobody would do that for Zacchaeus, right? In fact, there was no way that Zacchaeus would be caught dead in a crowd because Zacchaeus might end up dead in that crowd, right? There's the crowd. Zacchaeus goes into the crowd. The crowd leaves, and there's Zacchaeus with a knife in his back. Uh, that's the way things went. So there was no way Zacchaeus was going to be in the crowd. So it says in verse 4, So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, it's important to understand in the story before, the blind man was uh, as Jesus was approaching Jericho. And it said there was a crowd with Jesus. And what's going on in Middle Eastern culture is if someone important is coming to town, the crowd actually goes out to meet him and to surround his car or his horse or whatever and to bring him into town. In fact, the more important the person, the further out of town people will go in advance to welcome, as if to, to be a part of bringing him in the celebration. It's the same thing we do like if our sports team uh, wins the World Series. People go to the airport to meet him at the airport to celebrate them and to sort of bring them into town to, to join in recognizing their importance. And so the people of Jericho have already gone uh, in advance to meet Jesus. 
Jesus is a very important person. He's a teacher. He's influential. And so they would have already planned to have a banquet for Jesus. They would have already planned to have the nicest accommodations available for Jesus at Jericho because that was the way the culture worked. But we see that Jesus uh, rejects, not rejects their offer, but declines their offer. Jesus is not staying in Jericho. So he's turned down their offer for a banquet and to stay because he's passing through. It says he entered Jericho and was passing through. Now I know that he was passing through and not going to stay because of that verse and because Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree. Now what do you mean? How would I know that? The reason is because sycamore trees were not allowed in the cities of ancient Israel. This is the Mishnah, which is the oral Torah, that in reference to a sycamore tree says, a tree may not be grown within a distance of 25 cubits from a town or 50 cubits if it is a carob or a sycamore tree. Okay, I'm unraveling stuff, so just stay with me a little bit. A tree is considered a covering. So if you are under that tree, if somebody sins under one, sycamore trees, by the way, are big trees that spread wide. If somebody sins under one part of the tree, if you're also under that tree, you are defiled by that person's sin. And as a result, trees were not allowed in ancient Near Eastern cities. I don't know, think about this. If you've ever looked at the geography, you know, when you see pictures of the Middle East and you see cities, you don't see trees in them, do you? Because the, the, the buildings are packed close together. The only place where there would be a tree would be in the courtyard of someone's house. They have a house and usually houses have a courtyard. But even there, the, the boughs of the tree were not allowed to go over the wall because of the danger of defiling someone. So what does this mean? If Zacchaeus climbed a sycamore tree, it means that he did not climb the tree in the city. In fact, it says that he ran on ahead so he could climb a sycamore tree and see Jesus. I don't know if we have a picture. I don't think we did. I don't think it actually got loaded. We always have this picture of Zacchaeus on the flannel graph, right? Where he's easy to watch and he's down there on the low branch and everybody can see him. But you need to understand that's not what's going on here. The reason that Zacchaeus ran on ahead out of the city was so he could climb up in that tree and not be seen by anyone. First of all, it says that he ran on ahead. A important person in the Middle East would not be caught dead running. It's losing face. Remember the story of the prodigal son where the father runs to the son? Okay, it's, it is considered dishonorable for a man to run. And here Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. He's running on ahead because nobody can see him. And most importantly, a grown man does not climb trees in the Middle East. He doesn't. It's, it's considered uh, a, 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 a tremendous loss of face to do so. 
In fact, in the 1960s, this is a true story, the ambassador of the United States, John Badeau, was in the courtyard of the American embassy and was climbed a tree to help hang lights. And an Egyptian worker saw him doing so and could not believe that he had done so and went and told his friends and soon the entire streets of Cairo, the, the, the gossip was running amongst that the American ambassador had climbed a tree. In fact, the next time that the American ambassador met with President Nasser of Egypt, the president asked him, did you really climb a tree? He said, yes. What is Zacchaeus doing? See, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want anyone to see him. But Jesus does see, doesn't he? Jesus declines the offer for a banquet. He declines the offer for the best accommodations in the world. He's walking out of town, and he stops, and he looks up. And there, well nestled into the tree, is Zacchaeus. There's probably still a crowd with him leaving to send him off, and they all look up, and lo and behold, there's Zacchaeus in a tree. And Jesus calls to his name and says to him, Zacchaeus. How did he know his name, by the way? I mean, God could have told him I mean, that sort of thing would happen, but it's quite possible that the rest of the crowd looked up and said, there's Zacchaeus. That's Zacchaeus in the tree. Jesus, you've got to hear about this guy, Zacchaeus. He's the chief tax collector. He's the reason for all the problems that we have. See, they thought Jesus was going to, Ro to, Ro to uh, Jerusalem to overturn the Romans, to fix things, to make things right. And here's part of the problem up in a tree. This fool who's climbed a tree. And so they're berating him. Maybe a lynch mob is beginning to form to get Zacchaeus. And they turn to Jesus as if now it's your turn, Jesus, to tell him, you sinner, Come down from that tree. Repent of your sin. And what does Jesus do? Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. He's rejected the town's hospitality. And he's invited himself, which is something you don't do, by the way, to Zacchaeus' house to go and be the guest of Zacchaeus. How do you think the crowd feels about that? How do you think Zacchaeus feels about that? See, what does this tell us about Jesus? That Jesus doesn't judge people like the world judges people. He's not turned off by your sin and mine. The blind man was too small to be seen. But Zacchaeus was too bad to be seen. But Jesus did not come to assess our value. He came to bestow value. He came to seek and save the lost. So do we see people the way that Jesus does? 
I had the opportunity some time ago to meet with a fellow pastor. His name's Lowell Ivey. Lowell is a pastor in the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. And the OPC is kind of like a, a kissing cousin of the PCA. In some ways, they're considered even more conservative than the PCA, if such a thing could exist. He's an articulate speaker and preacher and pastor. He, he, while we had lunch, he showed me a picture of his beautiful wife and child. Lowell Ivey is a great pastor and is also a convicted felon. He spent 15 years in a federal penitentiary for a string of armed robberies, for which a lot of that time he was a member of a white supremacist gang. While Lowell Ivey was in solitary confinement, he was reading the Bible. And Christ, through the Holy Spirit, met him. And he bowed his knees to Jesus Christ and he proclaimed him King and Lord of his life. Now, there was only one way to get out of solitary confinement, and that was to renounce his ties to the white supremacist gang. But that was not something you did. That was like signing your own death sentence when you went out, uh, got out of solitary. But Lowell knew it was the right thing to do, and so he did. And for whatever reason, God spared him. He served his time. He went to seminary. And now he pastors an OPC church just like ours. I wonder if we had seen Lowell when he was in jail, what we would have thought of him. If we would have had the same image and perspective of Lowell as we do as he is now. See, for many of us, I want to see Jesus, but I don't want him to see me. Because if he saw me, I don't know what he would say because I know that I don't make the cut. Truth of the matter, my friends, I'm a lot more like Zacchaeus than the blind guy. Oh, Carlos, you're a nice person. No, not really. Not if you really saw me and knew me. I wonder what you would think of me. And so we don't want to get too close to Jesus. We want to keep our distance. We want to watch him and, and, and hear him but from afar. But if there's one thing we can learn from this story, it's this, that your sins do not freak God out. The language that you use, the deceit in your life, the defrauding that you've done, your divorce, your abortion, your disowning of your children, none of it freaks God out. Because no one, and I do mean no one, is too far from the grace of God. Jesus Christ came for blind people, but he also came for tax collectors. And he's calling to you and he's calling to me. Come down. I want to stay at your house tonight. Jesus challenges us in that way, but he also challenges us in how we see others. Jesus says to love the world, and he really means to love all the world. Oh, sure, we'll love certain people, but there's this group of nasty people. We're not going to come near them. We think Jesus wouldn't touch them, and I won't either. But Jesus is teaching us 
who are believers in Christ, that we can come near them and we can enter into their world. It's the punk in your grade if you're a high schooler or a middle schooler, the troublemaker, the one that no one likes, the one that no one sits with in the lunchroom. It's the gossiping, backstabbing coworker in your office. Because Jesus Christ did not come to assess our value. He came to bestow his value. This brings me to my second point, Zacchaeus' response. So he hurried down, hurried and came down, Zacchaeus, and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus is, uh, is, is uh, overwhelmed with what's going on here. And as I've painted the picture, you can understand why. And then we see that there's a scene change. This entire interaction between Zacchaeus and Jesus takes only 10 verses. But, so they've kind of telescoped it on down. But no, it's actually a, a longer event than that. Now they've actually gone to the house and there is a feast that is being thrown for Jesus. And the crowd is outside. Notice it says in verse 7, and when they saw it, this feast, they've all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I mean, Zacchaeus has thrown a banquet, and who is a chief tax collector going to invite to a banquet? More tax collectors, right? Maybe some prostitutes thrown in for good measure. All of these people, and the crowd is grumbling. The crowd whose offer was rejected or declined, I should say, And here Jesus is with this tax collector. And they're eating and they're partying. What do you think is going through Zacchaeus' mind right now? No one has ever, ever done anything like this for me. I mean, Zacchaeus worships power and money and influence. And Jesus had all of those things. I mean, the crowd went out and they saw him heal a guy who was blind. The best of Jericho was at his feet. And he declines their offer and then gives all of this influence and power away by saying to Zacchaeus, you are more important than that power and that influence. You're more important than all of those things to me. There is nothing to me compared to you. And you can just see something changing in Zacchaeus' heart. And as Zacchaeus is pondering this at the party, it says in verse 8, And he stood up and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. That's like everybody, by the way. In other words, what Zacchaeus is really saying is that all of my life I have been defrauding people to get power and influence. But by you bestowing your honor upon me, those things aren't important to me anymore. The only thing that is important to me is what you think of me. You have changed me from the inside out. There's really only two reasons people change, by the way. Desire and disgust. Disgust is I look at myself in the mirror 
one day and say, I'm, I'm just, I can't live like this anymore. But desire is when somebody gives you a picture that is so compelling, so moving in your life, that you simply cannot stay where you are, that you have to move off of it. And that's what's happened with Zacchaeus. Notice what it says. And Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, behold, King. What he's saying is that I now have a new focus, a new destiny. Now, here's the truth, my friends. There's no way that Zacchaeus can do what he's saying here. Behold, the half of my goods I give, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. But in the Middle East, if you want to communicate that you're sincere on on something, what you do is you exaggerate. You exaggerate to communicate. There's no way that Zacchaeus can restore all of the bad things that he has done. But what he's saying is, that was then and this is now, and I'm going to try, I'm going to change. I'm different. Now notice that no one told him to do this. Jesus didn't tell him to do this, did he? He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to stay at your house. I want to be in your house. Notice that Jesus neither endorses the oppression nor rejects the oppressor. Instead, he loves him. And in doing so, he changes his heart. Isn't that what the entire Bible in the Old Testament said that the Messiah was going to do? Ezekiel 36, written centuries before Jesus came, prophesies that God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And what does the Lord require of you, says Micah 5 to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Zacchaeus is demonstrating and showing who he is out of the overflow of his changed heart. And Jesus' response is this is a child of Abraham. This too is a child of Abraham. Remember Abraham, who was called to give away the most valuable thing? God had told him he would have an heir, and the heir didn't come. And then finally he had a son, Isaac. And God said, take your son, the most valuable thing you have, and go and offer it to me. And Abraham, by faith, went to offer that which was most precious to him. Zacchaeus is doing the exact same thing. My power, my influence, my money, I give it to you in order to have you. Well, the next day was going to come. Could Zacchaeus continue to be a tax collector and love God? He was going to find out. But the truth of the matter is, my friends, all costly love demands a response. Jesus loved Zacchaeus so deeply that Zacchaeus couldn't be the same. And neither can we, can we? It's Jesus who's offered his love to us such an extravagant way. 
that the foundation of Zacchaeus' life changed. It was a costly love that Jesus gave Zacchaeus, and it's a costly love that Jesus gives us. And that payment was on the cross, was it not? It costs to replace our shame with glory. It costs to replace our sin with his righteousness. And the cost is the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. That became Zacchaeus' foundation. So what is yours? Is it power? Is it influence? Is it possessions? Or have you experienced the grace of Jesus Christ to the degree that it has changed your entire trajectory? Because he's calling us to a new life, to let go of those old things which grip our hearts and squeeze them and squeeze the life out of us. He's called us to a life of faith, of holiness and forgiveness, to trust and obey him with the way that we love our spouse, the way that we raise our children. He's called us to love people just like he loves people. See, Jesus is also sending you and me out not to assess people's value, but to bestow Christ's value, to offer Christ's value to be bestowed upon them. Because Jesus came not to assess our value, but to bestow it. This brings me to my final point. Jesus' declaration over Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to this house since you too, Zacchaeus, are a child of Abraham. Now, some would say Jesus got it wrong. It's restitution, then restoration. Right? Talk, talk is cheap. He hasn't given back anything yet. He needs to fix every single wrong. He needs to make everything right. And after he has done all of that, then he can be restored. But listen to what Jesus said. Today, Salvation has come to this house. Who is it who's come to that house? It's Jesus. Jesus is salvation. In fact, that's what his name means, Yehoshua. The Lord is salvation. Just like Zacchaeus, we can't pay back for all of our sins can't reverse the clock, can't fix this mess which is called our life. But our salvation is not found in ourselves. It's found in Christ and our belief that he is willing and able to bestow honor on me. You see, Jesus also climbed a tree, didn't he? outside the city in a place called Golgotha where he went up on the cross not to hide from the world 
but to be lifted up that all would see that salvation is found in Christ and Christ alone. He came to die for your sin and mine so we would see him for who he really is, a savior. Because Jesus is a tree climber, he gives us the freedom to stop hiding. He gives us the freedom to come down, to be received, for God to throw a banquet in our hearts. I don't know where you are in your life. You may be a Zacchaeus, just kind of stumbled in here. But regardless of wherever you are, whether as close to Christ as you could get or hidden up in a sycamore tree outside of town, the grace of God never runs short. So come down. If you have not heard yet, Jesus is saying, I want to stay in your heart tonight. For Christ did not come into the world to bestow value. Excuse me, he did not come in the world to assess value. He came to bestow it. Let's pray. Oh God, what a beautiful picture. If you have space in your heart for Zacchaeus, surely you have space in your heart for me. Pray for every single person in this room that they would recognize that God wants to bestow the value of Christ in their life to celebrate over them and that they would come down and open their hearts that he might enter in. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Now we uh, uh, enter into a time of worship through offering. We would normally pass our collection plate, but because of COVID, we're not doing that. Rather, we put our collection plates in the foyer outside. The offerings that you give are what is necessary and needed to run this church, uh, its various ministries, and its missionaries. If you're new to Redeemer Presbyterian, you're visiting, don't feel compelled to give, but rather as the Spirit leads you. Um, but let me take a moment to pray for our offering, uh, and then we'll continue. God, I pray that you would use this offering, uh, that you would multiply it, that it would meet all of the needs that are necessary for this church to continue to proclaim the gospel, to care for its people, and uh, to meet its obligations. And so we love you and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.